0: There everybody, I'm Stephen Gregory Smith.
1: And I'm Matt Connor with crackers in my mouth.
0: <laughs> uh, places, everyone. It's, it's you can you finish chewing before you say the next bit? It's time for the, the Connor, Connor and, and Smith,
1: Smith Show! Show! Thank you, places!
0: Oh well, you've caught us at a kind of rush moment. We
1: are rushing, 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 because I had to tease till 5:30. We have a
0: <laughs> no one's gonna hear what you're saying, you're <laughs> in there. You have no. a
1: what? Um, I was teaching piano until five thirty, and we have another podcast starting at six. This matters to no one who's listening because no. clearly it's not six o'clock, six o'clock where you are. So as one does, I simply added four crackers to a little bit of tuna fish salad, inserted it into his mouth, and we are very excited about tonight's today episode gonna do for crafts?
0: Well why don't you say what it is?
1: Oh this is called a spirograph the spirograph was invented in 1965 in 1965 and you basically uh have all these little holes in like circular pieces that create all these amazing designs um and Stephen, why did you pick this particular craft project for tonight? Well, it was $10. It was $10. We eventually are probably going to get a Michael's um, sponsorship.
0: (laughs) Uh, Because it actually creates things that kind of remind me of kaleidoscopic images. And our guests tonight are uh, Karen Darner, um, former uh, state representative, and Flo Lacey, who starred in our musical, Kaleidoscope.
1: And of course, Kaleidoscope centered around the disease Alzheimer's, and um, Karen approached us um, several years ago now. Gosh, I can't even think what year I'm in, but um, she wanted to meet with us, and that's a whole other story that we'll talk about with Karen, because it's kind of a funny, very serendipitous uh, story about how we all met, and um, yep. So we're very excited about tonight's episode.
0: Yes, and we will be right back.
2: Hi Karen, it's Matt. Well, I'm glad to hear your voice. That's great, Matt. How are you? Well, you know,
1: I guess I would say good, but that's definitely with a lowercase g because my goodness, what in the world are we going through? I know. I've been sitting in my living room for 12 months.
2: Uh, well, I haven't seen mine for that long too, so and I think I've done the same thing to the uh the office in my apartment, so
0: Well, I just want to do a little formal introduction here. Our guest this evening is Karen Darner. Um, She has lived in the Arlington area for nearly 50 years, has been a speech therapist for 35 of those. Remind me to mention speech therapy to you, Karen. Okay. Um, She served as a member of the Virginia legislation for 13 years and retired in 2008. She has served in the Peace Corps, and she serves on the Virginia Alzheimer's Commission and Contact for Don Beyer on the issue of Alzheimer's. So that's quite a lot to fit inside one's uh, categories. But uh, I am very honored to have Karen Darner here tonight. Thank you for joining us, Karen. You are very welcome.
2: It's great to be here.
0: Yes. um, So do you want to basically explain how... The, the crazy story of how we got to know each other. Because I now work in my day job for the Columbia Pike Revitalization Organization, right? And I, I believe you either called or emailed the organization. Can you tell the story of how you were you were searching for me and found me exactly where I was?
2: Yes, I will. Um, I was wanted to pull together a meeting of the Alzheimer's amb- ambassadors team. That's the lobbying group. For us with uh, Congressman Don Beyer. And I got, to, I made a list of people, including all of the team members with whom we've worked. And then I added some other people just because I felt that it was important for Representative Beyer to hear how you all were uh, involved in. Alzheimer's concerns, I guess is the best way to put it, and a, plus a very interesting way to do it. And we had um, Matt, Connor, and Stephen Gregory Smith. And then um, we also included someone from um retirement home and program in Falls Church. And they were about to embark on having Programs and services for those with um, Alzheimer's and another form of dementia, I guess is the best way to say it. And <clears throat> so they we're going to go, excuse me, to.
1: Uh, sorry. <laughs> no, you take your
0: time. Um, <coughs> I don't do know you know what, what year this was? Um, I want to say it was 2019.
1: Oh, that's right, because it was kind of right was, before yeah. we went into this
2: crazy COVID world. Actually, it was last year. It was January 24th of 2020, because it was only two months later that we went into this pandemic quarantine. And we, I, have, I, I have no you know, a
0: concept of time anymore.
2: Well, I don't either, because the month of March last year was approximately a thousand days. Mm-hmm. And so I have no idea, <clears throat> excuse me. So that's, you know, that was, uh, and it was it was so much fun because I, a friend of mine had just become the executive director of um, CPRO. So I called her and I wanted to find Stephen because he was um, involved with the play that I had gone to see, Kaleidoscope, that we talked about and was a terrific way to learn a little bit more. About Alzheimer's. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Excuse me. And um, so I said to her, I can't remember. This is a person I saw many times at Signature and um, Ford's Theater and I think Arena and mm-hmm. in various parts. But all of a sudden I draw, I'm drawing a blank on his name. It's three names that's all, that are always together when they um, describe him. Or have something about the cast. So and I'm pretty sure he's at CPRO, although he could be at the Rosalind Bid. You know, it was interesting. So she said, sure, I'll in fact, I just started here. So let me ask everybody who's here today and um we'll find out. So she comes back to me laughing and she said, Well, I was sitting next to him. <laughs> and she said, And his name is Stephen Gregory Smith. And I said, I I I knew if I even heard one of the three names, I would <laughs> figure it out. But it was wonderful. And um, I got to meet Matt right away as well. And then we um, went to the the production of Kaleidoscope and participated in a, a question and answer period or, and discussion really about um, where it came from, where the idea came from and Who were, who were the people participating in it and how this could really be a great way to encourage people to see a a production that was a great play, but it's also um, a wonderful topic to learn a little bit more about every time. So, um, Uh and that's how that started. And they came to the meeting at the end of January last year that we had with uh, Congressman Beyer and, um. And unfortunately, we ran out of time, but they, I think Matt and Stephen and the others who were new to the meeting of of that type, um, realized that it was headed in the right direction and that using kaleidoscope would be a possibility of um, a town hall with Congressman Beyer. And he was interested in it as well. So, I, you know, we all thought we were headed in the right direction, and then... um, Short time later, the pandemic settled in. So, and, and we're still here. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: And Don Byer has a very great interest in the arts as well. I know. Yes, he does. Yes, um, he does. So, we were trying to reach him where he can, you know, relate. Um, but he also has uh, the disease in his family, I believe. Yes. And, and yes, he does. as do you, Karen, can you speak to how the disease has intersected with your life?
2: Well, um, it was in 2008, and I uh, felt my, my parents retired from Illinois to Arkansas. And um, that summer, uh, my sister and I went to Arkansas. She came from the Seattle area, and I came from the other coast. And we met in the middle, and something was wrong with mom. Uh, we could tell that there was some difficulty, and but it was really new to us and we hadn't been there for almost a year. So, um, and I said, you know, lots of things are all always black and white and you just assume it's going to be that way. But I, I probably had, have never experienced such a black and white situation. So I should have been suspicious at the beginning, but when you are concerned about a loved one, you want to get Uh, and you're concerned about their health, you want to get to the doctor as soon as possible. And um, you have to think right away that every situation is going to be different for every person, no matter what the diagnosis ends up being. And so um, all I knew at that time was that mom, there was a memory loss, there was confusion. She would be in a familiar setting and it didn't look familiar to her. Or um, if we were driving in the car at night, she was very concerned about what was outside because it's dark. You can't see things well. And um, <clears throat> so when my sister Kathy and I got to Arkansas, uh, we knew something was wrong and then we just had to be go about this a little slowly so that we didn't alarm her. Um, we wanted her cooperation and everything, but we also did not want to, to scare her. And so um, I had a friend who was in Virginia, who was a geriatric physician. And he told us to find a doctor who could determine if my mom's problems. And um, she had pain in her legs in particular for a long time. And she even had developed some sores that were there. And she was not diabetic. And um, but the doctor was about to to do something about them when I asked him um, what we needed to do. And um, our doctor here said, make sure you have a doctor who can tell the difference between depression and dementia. And he said, often when a person has had pain for a long time, they become depressed. And, um, and depression looks like dementia so many times. So you have to make sure the diagnosis is correct. And so um, we knew that uh, a diagnosis of dementia would be very difficult um, to explain and to understand and to, to deal with for a while. But with that particular disease, it's it doesn't have a cure. And uh, in fact, we, we've been our our slogan has been "End Alzheimer's," and that is really the slogan for the Alzheimer's Association right now. And it seems that every year we get a little bit closer, but we don't quite get to a point where you can stop uh, the the um growth of Alzheimer's or you can't uh protect someone completely from it and um so you're you're very tentative about it, and so we decided that um And and we weren't new to this, or I guess we weren't alone in this. Families, lots of families, are concerned about family members and what can be done to help them. So we just had to to move along as quickly and as cautiously as possible. And you have to have great uh, confidence in the doctor or doctors. And we knew we had to get some answers. And her primary care doctor Um, provided support to her and dad through the process, as well as my sister and brother and I. And we became part of a team, uh, just like any other team. And there were a lot of medical issues, in addition to her erratic behavior and memory issues. And they had to be addressed to find the final diagnosis. And I I knew right away that we were going to become mom's advocates. And we were joined by her doctors. We would share information all the time. Uh, they they shared in, their doctors shared information among themselves, but we also uh, were joined into that group occasionally. And um, what we, in fact, a couple of years ago, uh, the Alzheimer's Association interviewed a lot of doctors who do the annual or the um, like I said it's an annual um, physical on patients over the age of 65, all patients over the age of 65 is what they're required to do. And uh, they're asking patients about their thinking skills, overall memory, and the way they adjust or don't to familiar and new situations. So we found that 16% of the people who are given the, the uh, screening test are actually given the screening test. The rest do not get that test. And so you're not going to get the count and the, an accurate count or a, at least a, an estimate of who, how many people are given the test, but also what are the results of the screening test and how many are given the follow-up. So um, we took a look at this because I, and I said right away, they don't maybe not give the test because they're afraid to upset the patient. And then I thought of the other side, the flip side, that the patient may not pursue the test because the doctor hasn't brought it up. So I'm not going to say anything that may put a different idea in the doctor's mind. So we tell the people that uh, a lot of people ask about it, and I'll say um, if you're you know somebody's going to the doctor, and um, you have some concerns, write a letter to your doctor and make sure the doctor gets it several days before the appointment with your loved one. And, um, and if you can go with them, but at least give them the, give the doctor uh, an idea about what your concerns are and, and tell them, you know, if you can eliminate something or at least downplay something that you think doesn't need to, to be influential, then do that as well. But make sure you're clear that it's just your, from your perspective that that's happening. And that's really um if the doctor has some heads up about it, they'll be able to get the, um, the screening done and then know where to go from there. Uh, it took about seven months for my mom to get the final diagnosis, and it was uh, vascular dementia, which is like a lot of mini M-I-N-I um, strokes, short uh, strokes. And um, she got to the point where she could, she would rub her head and i'd ask her a question and she said i feel kind of fuzzy and she would lay down immediately and and then that would make it a little more controllable and she wouldn't have the lingering um fuzziness or pain um at all if you were laying down when she experienced it um, you always have to be the advocate in that, in that instance. It's, it definitely is is one of those. But you also have to keep in t- contact with the doctor before and during and after the diagnosis has been made. And often you, you have to keep in touch with them, uh, maybe frequently, if your doctor is trying to determine which is the best dosage or how many times a day or what the best medicine would be. And then you keep in contact, and you can make recommendations, or describe a problem, or uh, indicate an in- instance when there's not a problem. So that is a sort of an ongoing diagnosis. And then four years later, um, after working with uh, my mom and my the my rest of my family was working with her as well. And then um, we I went returned to Virginia because she had passed four years later and um, but I I knew that all the things that we had done and in concert with the doctors were very important to share with other people when they were concerned about their parent or spouse and um, so that was all something designed to work with mom in particular but then uh, you realize that if she's passed away there's still lots of information and uh, things that you can do, actions that you can do to help other people. And um, so I knew over the years, we had really worked hard to increase research funding for Alzheimer's and other dementias. And in fact, right now is the 10th anniversary of the um, Alzheimer's Accountability Act. And over those last these last 10 years, uh, funding, especially for research, has uh, increased over three billion dollars. It is nothing in comparison to other categories of categories of disease or um, concerns that people may have about something that their spouse or parent has but um it is still one of those things that when you think about research and it's amazing the kind of research that's occurred we now we've just now gotten um a better handle on having research of younger people. And um, my mom was about 80 when she was um, diagnosed. Although when you when we looked at the situation over probably five years before that, it was probably um, she may have had the beginnings of, of um, Alzheimer's or another dementia at the time, but it hadn't been diagnosed yet. And and she was able to be sort of in control of what she did at different times. You could see the look on her face. And if somebody walked in from the neighborhood uh while she was upset or having difficulty, she would just be quiet and wait, and then she'd be and nobody would question her. And um so she was able to mask the situation pretty pretty well, I think. Um Let's see. I wanted to make sure. Oh, and that, that sort of follows into the, the Don Beyer uh, situation where we had already developed a good relationship our, with the Alzheimer's team and Don. And um, so when we um, have to go, when we want to pursue different pieces of legislation or funding for a variety of things, um, we'll go as a team usually, or a couple of people will go to his office and meet with him. And then others will follow up with mailings and things that give him and his staff uh, more information about Alzheimer's that they need for specific pieces of legislation. And uh, that helps them in making a determination about how to vote. And um, But we're hoping that having discussed the kaleidoscope uh, play as well as the need for more people to understand Alzheimer's better and, um, and to know about uh, things to look out for in order to help perhaps a member of their family, that having a town hall meeting with, uh, as he, with him as the sponsor would be a great idea to try. And um, we also know that as a result of the COVID um, from last, that started last year, uh, we have had so many people who have been um, victims of the COVID nineteen, especially if they've been in nursing home settings or some kind of uh, long term care setting, as that is. And uh, so we want to be. We were about to go forward, and and then had to hold back because of not having contact for a long time Uh, we did emails a lot but can you imagine he he has more than I think I think his number is something like he gets most emails every year from his constituents and that number is twice what the next closest person is in um, the amount of uh, emails to him specifically so you you know that he's he's tremendously busy and of course this year with the covid and um, the various political campaigns. It's really, and the problems that have come about as a result of COVID, especially with the economy, that's that's all going to influence the amount of time that he's available uh, for covering things. And um, but it's that you know it's the the idea of the play is such a, a good one. I think it's just imp- very important. I wanted to point out too that my mom um passed away in 2012 and at that point i had a a brother who was 70 70 at that time and um he was experiencing lots of problems and he'd been seen i i mentioned it to him that i was concerned and i thought he needed to be uh seen by a doctor for a, a an exam and he did that and um he then was diagnosed with a form of dementia And he and his wife met with the doctor and um, were able to start with a protocol then and to do a little bit more testing. What they found out was that he could continue in his job about another two years before retiring because he was really just at the sort of beginning. And um, he lived in Colorado, as I had said before, I think. And then in April last year, he was in a memory care facility and he passed away from um, the COVID-19. And the most important thing I and the reason I bring it up is because he was without his family being with him when he died. No matter what my sister-in-law tried, she, you know, she was desperate to be with him. And it did not happen. And that kind of isolation continues to haunt me. I mean, I just, I feel like it's, it was the wrong turn for people to make. But we didn't know it then. And everybody's fear was of being infected. So you wanted to get them closed off. And you wanted to get, you didn't want people to go into long-term care settings or at the hospital. And uh, even if the, it was a medical issue rather than um, the Alzheimer's issue and um and what it ends up doing is it shuts somebody away from the family and it's detrimental in the long run to many people so i want us to keep in mind that this happened and that the next time and there will be a next time some ideas um we will we'll take a look at everything that was proposed during this time and decide whether or not it should continue I think that's an important step in this. And as it turns out, um, we've talked to a number of groups and uh, state faci- state um, agencies and things that there's going to be a, a review that is less than, it'll be a full review of all of the protocols and uh, rules that were put into place. Um, because if, if anything, that's, dis- that's discussed by many people who are in the medical field, but also um, spouses and family members of, um, those who have experienced COVID this, this year, whether, you know, so it's, it's really, it's one of those things that every time you turn a corner, it ends up being, oh my, we have to do this, you know? And, but I, I think the more it happens and I get called all the time by friends who have, um, have some concerns about people and their family. So I've made up a little list of people, of things that they should do or think about um, as they go along and, and as time passes. But um, right now we're, we're working hard on a whole new focus with uh, on caregivers. And I think that's going to be an important aspect of the legislation this year um, so that we can help those who are in need of help who are new to the to the disease who maybe have early onset, which would be the situation when it's they're under the age of 60. And there are a lot of those that are coming forth as well. So, yeah. Great, right,
1: great. Right. Well, that that's great, Karen. You know what? Um, let's take a quick break here on our little show. And we're going to come back with uh, Florence yeah. Lacey and we'll just continue
0: great. our discussion.
3: Hello, Stephen.
0: Hi, everyone.
1: Hi, everyone. We're still waiting for Karen to join us. So until then, I'm going I will tell everyone who we're talking to, just in case you're new to the Connor and Smith show. But this is Florence Lacey. Florence has performed the role of Ava Peron more than any actress in the entire world. She starred uh, in Broadway productions of The Grand Tour, Hello, Dolly, Les Mis, and Follies. Was that Follies Revival? Mm -hmm. Yes. And and of course, the reason uh, she's joining us today is because of her 2017 production of Kaleidoscope here in Falls Church at Creative Cauldron, where she portrayed uh, a fictitious Broadway star, Evelyn Thorne, who was rehearsing for a cabaret and so on and so forth, and basically was suffering from um, Alzheimer's. And Flo, we, it's so good to, to hear your voice. Hello, Matthew.
3: It's wonderful to hear you too.
1: Now, Karen is going to join us, Karen Darner. And Karen has been a member of the Virginia legislature for 13 years, and she uh, serves on the Virginia Alzheimer's Commission. Um, so when, when she comes on, um, we will continue this the discussion. But how are you doing?
3: Doing well, really well. Yeah, was, got my was, first COVID vaccine shot. So I feel, I feel fabulous at the moment. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. It was a beautiful day here in Virginia. Oh, it was gorgeous here in Connecticut, too. I took a long walk with a girlfriend and had just a, a really, really wonderful day outdoors for the first time in a long time.
1: Well, you know stevie and i do craft projects during our
0: um hello oh karen has joined us
2: yes i have i'm sorry i was and i it was being stubborn so.
0: no worries <laughs> our last
1: podcast someone took an equity 10
0: <laughs> yeah they took a 10 minute break <laughs> um, so flow meet karen karen meet flow karen saw you flow in kaleidoscope and um, Karen is uh, works with alc.org and the government, so welcome both of you. Karen, yes.
2: so nice to meet you. Oh, it's so good to see you, Flo. It was I I have seen you and uh, and we all participated in the discussion after your performance. So I feel very honored to to finally uh, get to say hello. So
3: well, thank you. Those discussions I thought were so revealing and so interesting and so yeah. exactly what we all wanted to happen with kaleidoscope, and that's you know when I saw it, I thought this is the one this is the
2: a wonderful way to teach people um, exactly what the beginnings of it are of, of Alzheimer's or some form of dementia and and what to do how what the steps might be uh, it's although it wasn't qu- quite quite uh, that detailed,
3: but it was it sure did inspire people I think. I'm so proud and and happy that at least Kaleidoscope got the conversation going. Oh I think so very definitely.
1: Yeah I do think there were when now uh, now doing a piece um, centered around Alzheimer's was was Flo's idea uh, many many years ago but I think we all knew in some way that this was much bigger than a theatrical experience or performance.
2: Yes and I think it was very Um, neat very unique and and a great way to focus on the issue without it being so uh, and they knew and I think everybody who attended knew that it was extra special so yeah
1: yeah and Karen you know at one point me and Stephen had discussed about how trying to make this show kind of a part of like in Alzheimer's um, charity where if the show was done uh, a part of the money would be going towards research and whatnot and to be completely honest I could not even get through sort of the bureaucracy if you will of like who to talk to and how because um, I'm just not connected in that world but I think one thing that I always wished for the show was that it became as you both just said the the after show talkbacks were so, it felt like a sanctuary where people could actually just
2: really have a place to talk. Right. And I think that the number of people who are affected is growing every single day and, and they are searching for answers and this is a way to at least begin the, begin the process. And, and it, and it, is right and it's true to form so um i i don't i don't think there would be any fear or um lack of confidence in just attending and then participating in the discussion i think that is an extra special touch that this performance had yeah and flo you were
1: such a wonderful uh researcher yourself that when we did have talkbacks not only were you someone who came and you know learned a, a script which i i understand was kind of difficult because the script kept changing so much in the lines,
3: but you did your own research. Do you want to talk a little bit about your journey with all of that? Yes. Well, I mean, my, the idea really formed because a family member was diagnosed with dementia and I was watching her, you know, go into her own world and wondering what, what was going on in there. So my curiosity was piqued and I started, I started, I started talking with, uh, a group here, uh, a, a home where for, uh, Alzheimer's patients or people with, with dementia, um, a special place for them. And I started visiting there and having yeah. lunch with people who had dementia and spending time with them, just chatting and seeing what they, they like to do. There was one man in particular who I still see once in a while around the neighborhood. His name is Bob and he loves to paint. And his home where his wife is, is in the same community that I live in. And Yet he had to be in a special care place for a while because he became physically challenged. Right. And it it was, he is an amazing person because through his painting, and he also writes poetry. And so through these things, he was expressing himself. So what better way to investigate Alzheimer's, investigate The challenges of the mind, but through musical theater, through Mm -hmm. talking and singing it so that it's an entertainment. And yet it's something that stimulates discussion about something very serious that might touch your life someday and probably will.
2: It really is good. And, you know, the music aspect of it, very often dementia uh, folks in the setting that they may be living in will participate in lots of musical activities because they remember
3: lots of songs. Yes, they can remember the songs from their youth, even if they can't remember their child's name. Right, exactly. And there's a place in
2: um, South Carolina that people are called Memory Makers, and you can go and and volunteer and help. But And there are a lot of people who go in, and uh, they'll take their guitar or another instrument and start singing songs from the sixties or so, and people join in, and it's wonderful. And I know with my brother, he sang happy birthday to himself when we were there for his birthday. So those things that you hang on to forever are very helpful and make you feel good. Go ahead, ahead, Stephen.
0: I was just gonna ask, um, Flo, there was something that stuck with me from your research in that facility, with a gentleman who, you asked him what it felt like um, to have the disease, and he said something that kind of stuck with me, and I'm sure you remember what it
3: was, right? I don't. Remind me. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> uh oh. that's yes, right. It yes. involves sticks. Yeah, sticks. Stuck in the sticks. Stuck in the sticks. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, yes, I do remember. That was Bob who said that. That was Bob. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, that it was Bob. Stuck in the
0: sticks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, like it was, there were, there was something there that wouldn't move
0: through. He was looking for the words, but they were stuck in the sticks. In the sticks. And that's a
2: good description too. So.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, and also another reason that me and Stephen decided on the, the premise of it being in a theater and it being an actress was because we thought it was just, uh, uh, I don't want to say a, a gentler way to tell the story, but clearly we did not want it to become an hour and a half of um, something medical or, uh, or, or from the medical side of things. We wanted to make it seem like we, there was some sort of entertainment in it. And that entertainment's the wrong word, but, you know, to tell the story, um, I thought that the talkbacks were so interesting Mm -hmm. because um, I've never, well, I mean, we, me and Steven both have had um, family members that have gone through this. And even with us, you know, there's not really a a place to, I guess there is a place to call, but there's not a a whole lot of, uh, you just kind of deal with it by yourself and-
0: It's a big secret.
1: It's a big secret, Mm -hmm. yeah,
0: yeah. And and it was like an open forum and a safe space for people. I'll never forget, there was one woman there who was in early stages, and she commented during one of the talk back that it was comforting to see the end of the play, and that it That's, gave her some right. sort of peace. Um, and boy, I mean, it, for as heavy as the material, it really was a gorgeous and very uplifting ending uh, even though it made you cry every time it it was was. it was this the send off that everyone really deserves and hopes they get you know Um, but yeah Um, so I just want to say Flo you uh,
1: your performance in the show was just so tremendous and I'm sure it was very taxing to sort of put yourself through that time and time again. Um, at creative cadre but it it 's almost like you become almost um you know um, your art your art becomes almost like a ministry if you will of a certain subject matter that you have to take on as a performer um Can you talk just a little bit for anyone out there listening about your journey as an actress just doing the show
3: well, it was extremely difficult i mean it, it, not just because the the show was in development and so it was changing every day but i was playing a character who would remember things and forget things and that's I kept repeating myself and the next scene i would maybe say exactly the same lines but it was in a different place a different time a different and i, I the confusion of that you're is of time. course what the confusion of the disease is. So it was truly made me feel like I had the disease. And that's mm-hmm. that's very scary for an actress to have to go through. It it's not only taxing, it's it's really kind of uh oh, kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, I think we're where yeah. you really identify with people who are going through even a, a, an unsure situation on their own and then what you know where do i go from here so
0: well karen where do we go from here like um what happened with that um legislation that we kind of met with don byer about
2: well i think uh well with that legislation um we've been really focusing on uh allowing for a lot of money to go into research and last year we were able to have it increased it, it sort of was a year that everybody woke up and thought, well, I, I have seen people with, that need additional help or need to have some evaluation to determine it. And so I, one of the bills was to increase the amount of research money. And, what, and that brought about, uh, it was a surprise almost to the research world. And so there were people dying for the money, for the money to be released and it was released and they were able to do a lot of um, questions. One of them on the the idea of people getting, uh, having the characteristics when they're younger than 60 years old, and all of a sudden they're not, uh, they were not qualified under the Older Americans Act to get many of the the things like um, Meals on Wheels, for instance, and, and special treatment centers. Um, and so what they focused on the people and found, are finding now that there are some hereditary aspects, which they felt that they had that information, but they also found a large population that it was lifestyle changes that seemed to influence what was happening to them, what they were eating, the amount of exercise that they had, um, in their general health in to begin with. And so they're working with people. In fact, some of the research in the past has been done with a category where everybody has the same label, but they are very definitely different. And uh, some of it's with their age, some of it's with, um, they may have vascular dementia like my mom did, or they may have a different kind of dementia where it's affecting perhaps uh, their mobility as well as the effect on the brain, because there are parts of the brain that have um, a mobility, so if they focus on those people and they do the studies with the you know fifty five year olds who are um in good seem to be in good health and all of a sudden there's they're, they're' having difficulty, not put all the not all of the dementia people together in a study, then you're going to get inconsistent results. Because you've got such a variety, you know. Like at the beginning, I was t- talking about the fact that not every person does exactly what the other person might do if their category is dementia, and so you really need to break it apart. And that's where they were getting a lot more information. There's a, a, a drug now that is uh, going to be perhaps uh, much more positive than we've ha- ever had, and. Um, they're doing the testing to determine that, but they're able to to do it with certain populations rather than just the dementia population. So we have to wait and see from that, but it's, it's a much more intelligent way to approach, I think, the situation. And, um, but that's, and some of the things that we did with the uh, ideas for Don, it was uh, either modifying therapy uh, or, um, providing assistance with, with the diet and so on. And that is exactly what happened uh, during the time of the of COVID this last year. And we've been able mm-hmm. to get some movement where, you're, where we may have an, a, an approval of um, medicine that could be uh, at least stopping or arresting the development of um, Alzheimer's or helping them in some fashion. That we we've never been able to do before,
1: right? Right. Um, I have got one more question for Flo. We're going to wrap this up uh, in a few moments, but I've got one more question or statement, I guess, for you, Flo. You know, we know as actors and um, and performers how sensitive the room can be at, at times if you're dealing with, you know, sensitive information or material, and not that this information was sensitive, but we definitely were being very delicate about, you know, well, is this too too far? Is this not far enough? And you, we, of course, love to work with our friends. We also like to work with people who we're not friends with, but we are friends with Flo, me and Steven, and um, it was a great collaborative experience in the sense that we really tried hard as a team to really, um, the blocking, the, uh, some of the props that we asked for, um, some of the things came straight from flow of just wanting a, a, a way to um, sort of exaggerate or show um, different examples. Um, I'm the just, curse word. Right. I'm yes. just going to throw out a few things. Uh, there was one point that we 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 decided that w- you were going to use uh, a swear word, and that came from you because you said, "No, I would I would say that."
3: Do you I remember do. that? I do remember that. <laughs> I, I remember that. I remember little details like um like the pens, and that really came from a a woman in the the facility that I visited who had to have a whole lot of pens and was constantly writing and Mm -hmm. uh, all those little details I think helped to tell our little story and we seemed to all be on the same page about what the point was we wanted to make and what what we were hoping would stimulate the discussion and I think that was what was so rewarding about doing Kaleidoscope. Well, it was so it was so precious to
1: have all of your input, uh, everyone's input, but especially yes. yours in telling that story and that journey uh, for so many people that got to see it. And uh, if you it didn't see it, I've got a bootleg here at my house. But anyways, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, just all of those details that really helped to, um, you know, I, I guess a lot of people, even in the audience, saw themselves as the caretakers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that that's even a, a, an entirely different discussion of the the amount of pressure and anxiety that a, a caretaker goes through trying to sort of navigate the disease with a loved one or a partner or whatever. Um, but I just want to say I, I love you. I thank you so much for being a part of Kaleidoscope and being a part of that very brave and bold uh, choice that I thought was a beautiful evening. Thank so you,
3: Maddie, for taking on that project. I'll never forget. It was 10 years earlier, I think, that I came to you with that idea. And oh. it took that long to bring it to fruition. But, you know, that you stayed true to it and really wanted it to happen.
1: Well, you know, I'm now, I'm now 51 years old. And I didn't, I didn't maybe 20 years ago. But, you know, I do now really see a sort of divine organization that kind of happens yes. in life. And for whatever reason, I think that that was the, the right little black box. It was the perfect little cast. And it was it was, it was was very um, complex, yet very simple.
0: So um, anyways, um, thank you so much for joining us, Flo. Stephen? Thank you, Karen, for joining us. And you can learn more at alz.org uh, about ways to help and anywhere else we need to point people? Karen. Well,
2: there's a group called Trial uh, Match, and it's trialmatch at alz.org. And that is if you were to participate in a study of some kind. And you could uh, go to the website and get the list of studies that are currently there. And that will, you know, if you're interested in doing something like that, it would be a great, great help. Uh, wonderful for the future.
0: All right. Thank you very much. And we hope to see you both soon. Yes, Stay great. safe. You
2: too. Thanks for having us. Bye-bye.
0: Wow. That was a fascinating discussion.
1: Yeah. Once again, we could have had that conversation go on for a while. It's such a, it's such an important discussion um, and that I would imagine is going to happen
0: more and more and more to families um it's gonna it touches everyone i mean almost everyone you know knows someone um and that's that's part of what um karen touched on um so how did our art projects turn out well um if you hear rustling that's the dogs
1: um turned out cute. Uh, We kind of made little homemade um, kaleidoscopes with our spirograph. And it's funny, I chose kind of... And Stephen chose kind of...
0: Well, we'll take a picture, as always, and put it on our Facebook page, Connor & Smith on Facebook. You can also find us at www.connorsmithmusicals.com. If you've heard, like, Jingle Bells and Tap... Tip taps this whole time. Eddie has been just a nutball tonight during this entire recording. Um, he is just. Well, I don't know.
1: Well, he was very. I think, I think he's mainly upset because we had cut his part from
0: Kaleidoscope. Yeah. Um, yeah. Evelyn Thorne was going to have a puppy. I never talked to Karen about um, I said, oh, remind me about speech therapy. But because the discussion was so serious, I couldn't... So this is a funny tidbit to end on, maybe. Funny or trigger warning if you used to have speech therapy. I had a speech therapist because I have a sibilant S and even saying that, I lisp. Um, Now I'm very conscious of how I'm talking. A sibilant? A sibilant. Sibilant S? S And now you're punishing me by having to say it over and over. This is what the story was. So her name was Miss Kitka, I believe. Could be making that up. That could be the name of the Catwoman in the Batman movie from the '60s. <laughs> it was not Miss kitska That was that. It was something like that, though. Gosh. Anyway, um, so we were pulled. People who needed to take speech therapy, and this was elementary school. God, what was her name? This is gonna drive me nuts now. Um, you were pulled from your class and taken to a a janitor supply closet with an overhead light only like an interrogation room and it smelled of chemicals like that stuff that looked like sawdust that he used to put on puke in the halls when some kid would puke oh my god I remember you remember what I i'm talking just about ate. so anyway uh she would go the speech therapist <clears throat> let's call her miss kitka that 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 tracks let's me. call her miss sawdust and she would go around the table to all of us and say so tell me about your weekend and you'd be like, oh, somebody, an adult is, you know, interested in me and what I did. And so inevitably the kid or me or whoever would say, well, I went down to the, the store and and she'd go store and make you say it again. And you like all of a sudden were like, oh, my God, I'm so fr- I, I did it wrong. And now I'm conscious I'm speaking incorrectly. And then I would say it the correct way. Go ahead. And then you'd go on talking and she'd stop you and make you. And it was so terrifying under this interrogation light with chemicals in the background. Explains a lot about uh, who I am today. I went to speech therapy when I was in first grade
1: because of my raspy voice. My whole family on the Connor side is kind of sounds like me, basically. And... um, So they they sent me to speech therapy, and I I don't know if I didn't tell anyone for a hot second, but I just kind of went because it was a part of the school, so I, I just went. And then they thought I was allergic to chocolate, so I wasn't allowed to eat chocolate for a Cause, while.
0: Because that makes sense.
1: And then one day my mom marched into school. I think this is the truth. If it's not the truth, mom, give me a call. I think my mom m- marched into school one day, and they were like, we're sorry, we're giving him speech therapy. It's, it's, it's for his raspy voice. And she grabbed me and she said, he's a Connor.
0: <laughs> and that was it. No explanation needed. Like, you should know, they all
1: sound like that.
0: That's funny. All right. Well, it's been a very informative hour. Thank you so much for listening. Um, And if you you can, uh, I know at least on Apple Podcasts, uh, you can rate us, review us. It helps us get our names out there if you would take a second and do that. If not, that's cool. Yeah, we'll just make up names and rate ourselves. (laughs) Yeah, because we have the spare time to do that. Alright, well, as always, turn your heart into, into art. art. Bye. I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. Places, everyone. It's time for the, the Connor and Connor Smith Show Mini So. Thank you, places. Wow, um, we're not. Crafting anything tonight. But we are doing something creative. Yes, we're watching the Megan and Harry interview from on Oprah. Wait, my new book. Oh, okay. Talk about your book. We, um, Stephen
1: bought me, or us, a new book. Uh, it's not new. I mean, it's been out for a while. Um, it's called Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, and I sat down today and i've read like you know maybe 20 percent of the book it's just fascinating it says creative living beyond fear which is you know i think what everyone should be doing which what is what what we are trying to do clearly is to live creatively beyond fear so there is that um
0: and what are we gonna we're gonna talk about Uh, This Megan and Harry interview is all that anybody's been talking about. We haven't had a chance to see any of it. We're watching it now, and oh, boy. Yeah, it's a lot going on in here. I mean, just coming out with the truth bombs left and right, and here for it. Um, Yeah. Anyway, um, we were walking the dogs tonight. Oh, yeah, this is a cool story. And this happened in uh, around Halloween. In one of the courtyards, we see these... Court- wait, wait, wait. So we, we go back. Around Halloween. Yeah. Around Halloween
1: time, we were walking the dogs. Yeah. And we happen to stumble across in our area. There's, like, these little, like, mini... Driveway alleyways that sort of are the, the back of people, separate people's backyards, kind of thing. But this was out in the parking lot area, and we were walking the boys, and all of a sudden we saw some dancing in the um, parking lot, and it was it wasn't cold, but it was not warm, mm-hmm. and um, after we started stood there for a while and watched, we realized that this was not someone just dancing around. This was a choreographed, well-choreographed yeah. well piece. And we wanted so badly to, like, run up and say, what's happening? They had a fog machine. Mm-hmm. They were moving from place to place. They were being videotaped.
0: Um, so, But we, we clearly didn't want to interrupt their performance and be like, what y'all doing? <laughs> hey! Um, so then, we, we never figured out who it was or anything, but, Stephen, what happened today? We're, we're walking the pugs, and we come to where we're usually going to go down this alley, and there they are again in different costumes, and, um... Well, everyone knows a dancer has more than one costume. Well, yeah, just saying. So... It was really a moment where I kind of looked at Matt, and we both had the same thought: like, we have to go ask what, what, who they are, what's going on. So, come to find out, they are nomad dancers. Um, that is the name of their company. They performed at the White House. They performed across the world. Yep. And they live right across the street from us. And it's got to be serendipity on some level uh, so we're creative level we're really really excited to connect with them uh, there was instant enthusiasm between both parties um, so I, I hope that that I, can... I think I think they described us as oh you, you you're the guys with the pugs
1: no the Halloween house oh then that came later yeah are you the Halloween house we're the Halloween house Um, so we just emailed them because we wanted to like really find out and have creative People on our show and I think that's just thrilling to find out what they're all about so they would mentioned belly dancing mm-hmm.
0: Persian dancing and um, yeah a whole bunch of other stuff yeah um, so yay I, I can't wait to kind of explore that further and find find out more about them uh, because they seem fascinating. If you want to check them out on the good old internet, it's nomaddancers.com, N-O-M-A-D-D-A-N-C-E-R-S.com. Really, really beautiful, colorful website, um, beautiful outfits, costumes, and yeah, it's going to be interesting to learn more about them. And we've
1: had like a little bit of a, uh, a roller coaster this weekend with our podcast. We thought we were going to do two guests. We might still be
0: do two guests. We're not sure yet, but we'll tell you all about that right after this.
1: Bye.